0: I'm Leonard Nimoy. Join me for In Search of...
1: An, An argument. Argument.
2: Hello, Villa babies. This is Dr. Johnny Beaver. Are you ready to rock and roll? Today, we are going to be playing songs that are strong, platters that matter. We've got tracks from the decade of Max, the 80s. And we are here with our special guests. The hot Scott, the bossy Richard Tobin. Oh, my God. And we've got all the regulars as well. We've got the guy from Chai, the windiest from the Windy City, Big Bad John Heinz. And we've got a girl who grew up in the heartland. She's got the rap from the nap. She's the SC from the Indy, Shelly Cummings. Yo, 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 and we've yo. got a girl who's West Michigan nice. She's the <laughs> rapidest of the rapids. The queen of Technicolor, Peggy Bennett. And we've got the Irish lass who brooks no sass. She's sick for (laughs) Mick. She's Beth. No, but not the one from the (laughs) gift song, Shannon.
0: (laughs) Well done.
3: (laughs) No kidding. Jim, you put some work into that. This is Jim Gentilly.
2: I always (laughs) wanted to be a DJ. At least I got to play one on a podcast episode. In case some of you did not understand the lingo, we are going to be talking about Favorite songs from the 1980s. We welcome back Richard Tobin. Richard Tobin, what's on the top
0: of your mind? Um, good morning from Australia land. It's the evening where you guys are. I hope but at least some of Aye. you have had, it's the kind of time of evening where you should all have had at least one drink. My drink's been coffee. Um, top of my mind, <laughs> um, my iPhone, it's that time of the week where your phone tells you how long you've been on it. And I'm down 35%. Thank you so much, Cheers and Congratulations. Off, yeah, thank you. Congratulations. Very
2: good. I'm going to go next because I have a special top of mind cuz I was reading Sports Illustrated magazine their NBA preview issue and I read something that made me think of my friend John Heinz because it involves two oh things about John. One is his oh boy. love for elaborate coffee and the other is his entrepreneurial capitalism streak. And this is about <laughs> a very great NBA player named Jimmy Butler who plays for the Miami Heat, outstanding player, and also a very interesting person. And Jimmy Butler is heavily into coffee. He he uh, grinds, he roasts and grinds his own beans. He has all this elaborate coffee-making equipment. And last year, for the NBA playoffs, which were in a bubble in Orlando, meaning all the players and staff had to stay in this one complex, he had brought all his equipment with him, and it turned out, that the NBA had no good coffee shop or like a Starbucks or anything in the bubble. So Jimmy Butler ended up making coffee for all these other players. Wow! But not only did he make coffee for the other players, he charged them $20 a drink. (laughs) So that made me think of John Heinz for both. He didn't charge enough. And that's on the top. (laughs) Yes, considering the average salary of the NBA players. Exactly.
3: He didn't didn't charge enough. Yeah.
4: John, what's on the top of your mind? Oh, can okay. Okay, go next. Hey, go next. Yeah. It's weird because I'm not even joking right now when I say the two things I was I was gonna talk about that are on the top of my mind was one that I read some sort of weird article that says if you do if you use French press coffee, your arteries are gonna clog and you're gonna die of heart problems. And so I wanted to ask the physician on the podcast today if what he thought about that. <laughs> and then the second thing was that Ask my Dr. screen Richard. T- my screen time is down 10% and I was super excited about that. Yay. So weird that okay. both those things got discussed already.
2: Quickly, Dr. Richard, a brief uh,
0: diagnosis on the French press coffee. Yes, you'll have heard of organizations like Q and and things like that. It's utter bollocks. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> okay, good because I—that's what I drink every day. And good I good to suddenly... know.
2: Good to know. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm up eight percent from last week on oh, screen time. Gone. I just you checked.
3: I, just checked. Uh, I am thinking. I I guess I'm thinking about that. If I have to be, since I I didn't mean that as mine, but I'll just uh, so I'll. I mean, what I actually was thinking about just before the podcast was a friend sent me the. Per- the Put Bernie Anywhere website. Have you guys seen
2: this? <laughs> it's based on the, the the meme based on the yeah. picture of him sitting at it's the a, inauguration. It's a website
3: where you can put in any address anywhere in the world, and it puts Bernie there. <laughs> it's very <laughs> it's funny. So it's weird. weird. It's very funny. People have way too much time on their hands. That's all I gotta I say. It, I think it's well. Like there is a pandemic. The dumbest I thing don't ever.
2: Like Shelly, since you so chimed in, what's on the top of Wait, your mind? What did you
5: say, Shelly? I think it's the dumbest thing ever. The stupid. <laughs> Making Bernie's, fun of him. This, his, the meme that's going around and putting him on the, with the ghost in the movie Ghost and all. That. I'm like, I don't. It's just stupid. I don't think it's funny at all.
3: Well the Bernie bros, <laughs> I just the Bernie don't Bros get it. who all like him, they're all a bunch of coders and like they're into this and they're you know, it's Bernie. It's the it's it's Bernie's gonna save America. That's the if well, Shelly, before you
2: give your top of mind, your criticism raises the philosophical question, is there anything such as a smart because mm. Exactly. Uh Shelly, top of mind.
5: Uh so I I play words with friends. Uh, a lot, and I sometimes accept words with friends with strangers. Ooh. And apparently, Ooh. right now I hope they're I'm... wearing
2: condoms. That's all I. Have yes, to say.
5: <laughs> and so oh, th- and there's God. a chat. There's a chat function <laughs> on it, and so I inevitably get chatted up. Apparently, right now I'm playing Words with Friends with Jeremy Renner. Yeah. Nice, uh-huh. he's
2: the and- actor.
5: Yeah, yeah apparently, or and, someone uh, who, who
2: is. is pretending to be Jeremy. Renner.
5: Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And he sent me, "Have you checked out my album?" And uh, I, I was like, uh, "Okay." <laughs> so I'm just like, just interacting with him and milking it up and And he's one of many that I've made up exaggerated stories all week with. But that's it's a total scam. All I want to do is play words
1: with friends and people Telly, you're just too magnetic, magnetic a
2: personality that's <laughs> the echo shannon what's on the top of your mind
1: well one is my dad had surgery yesterday and it Ooh. went well and he went well, home good. today so that's good it's been weighing on me and i also listened to michael Pollan's podcast about caffeine so ah, that, yes continuing I just the talked coffee to jim about that yesterday and so the coffee theme reminded me of that again
0: What do they say about the caffeine? What happens?
1: Oh, it's really fascinating. He says it's the only legal drug that we give children.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's true story.
3: Hey, I'll never forget (laughs) being in Paris. Don't we? I'll never forget living in Paris in 2002 and seeing on the cover of a magazine in French as I was walking around Paris. I remember seeing in the front of it a cover, a a a headline that you would never see ever in an American magazine, and it was in French, and it said, caffeine, the best of the
2: soft drugs. So before we plunge forward, we have some listener business to deal with. First of all, friend of the show and former guest Alex Berger did contact us to let us know that the story that John repeated during the last episode about Mike France, hence unfriending Donald or unfollowing Donald Trump on Twitter, turns out to be a false. And thank you, Alex, for serving as our unpaid fact checker. And we also, as you know, like Jesus Christ, who had his 12 apostles, we have our 12 listeners. And we got an email from one of our 12 after the last episode. From Edward in Shanghai, my name is Edward, and I'm one of the 12 listeners. I've enjoyed every episode and never felt that they were too long. It's such a pain to crave for the new episode update in the middle of the week. And listening to John talking over Jim, as well as Shelling and Peggy sharing their stories, has been one of my biggest sources of entertainment during this pandemic. I can't speak for other listeners, but I absolutely won't mind the episodes being longer than an hour. By the way, where can I find the Paris pictures? Well interruption they're now up on the website and so anybody can see the paris pictures and edward adds one more thing when the pandemic is gone the paris live stream is a must. he also goes on to say to me in particular absolutely i don't think that you are talking so edward shoots right to the hall of fame as one of (laughs) our list
5: how much did you pay this guy
2: who's edward he's edward from shanghai He's one of our 12 listeners, Shelly. Be nice. Or Peggy, whoever. Yeah, that was Peggy. I'm sorry. You're always. (laughs) I should have known it was Peggy. All right.
5: Nobody actually knows Edward personally. He's just one of our listeners. I do. Oh, okay. I was going to say.
3: Surely I lived in Shanghai. I know.
5: That's (laughs) why I was thinking. I
3: thought you probably knew him. But But you
5: were so quiet.
3: I know it's rare, isn't it? It's really (laughs) unusual for me to be quiet. I'm trying to be quiet. Jim clearly is on a mission. I feel the pace of it going, and I don't want to get in the way of (laughs) the train. We (laughs) want to get
2: to the music, right? That's what we're here
3: for. I hear you. Although I did hear some podcasts where they spend the they spend like forty five minutes just like selling their shit and trying to like talk about stuff, and then finally, like the last forty five minutes, they get into the interview or whatever. And I don't think we want to be like that. No, I like the way you do it, Jim. I
2: wish we had stuff to sell, but we don't. (laughs) So. The idea for this podcast was very simple. Since Richard Tobin was kind enough to be our guest and he knows and, well, appreciates music very well, I thought it would be a great idea if we all picked uh, one favorite song from the 80s and we'd listen to a little bit of them and talk about them. This created consternation among my fellow podcasters about what do you mean by favorite song, favorite song now, or favorite song then, and blah, 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 and it's so hard to pick one. So just so we're clear, we're saying these are a favorite song from each one of us from the the decade of the 1980s, and we're going to start with the one that was picked by Mr. John Heinz. So let's listen to a little of John Heinz. That is big time by Peter Gabriel. John, it's Hines, Way more than we're that allowed that to play. Oh, that's, <laughs> uh, that's thirty seconds. dude.
4: I thought we were I allowed five in my chair. seconds. No, I did no. too. Bad.
2: Oh, we're getting a we're getting a season letter on that one. I'm totally no, was dancing and seconds. snapping. It's fair use because yeah. we're talking about the song. Why did you pick the song? I don't know. I just I don't I don't
3: have a favorite song from the 80s and I definitely don't have a favorite song from the 80s now because I don't listen to any songs from the 80s so I guess that's an important qualification because I don't have any strong feelings uh, about any particular song the 80s however and, and the 80s not an actual decade but a uh, a period of time that like rests in my head as kind of this this time of, of Reagan and Thatcher and uh, and Wall Street the movie you know Bud Box selling out his father for money um, is kind of is, that's it's the first thing that came to mind was I thought of uh Peter Gabriel's mocking the de- mocking that decade and it popped into my mind and I thought that's what I think of when I think of the 80s.
2: Okay, so John Heinz based on your song selection, I have a question for you. Yeah. Is it so much larger than life? Is what? Whatever it is, is it so much larger than life? Uh I don't know. I don't know. I think <laughs> I'm not clear on the lyrics. Well, the lyric says it's so much larger. No, I understand
3: what the lyrics are. I'm not sh- clear on like what Peter Gabriel intended uh, for the That's metaphor to I mean. Or,
2: anybody yeah. else have any thoughts on "Big Time" by Peter Gabriel? I think that
0: that uh, that absolutely describes you in the 80s, John Hines, like so much larger than life. And uh, <laughs> um, I am. Do so you think stunned. the hit in I'm the song
2: was John Heinz? You think he's the only person on possibly. this podcast
3: who knew me in the eighties, which is hilarious. I'm That's stunned.
0: True. I'm stunned that you don't listen to any more eighties music. I remember very clearly you having a wall of very diverse sounds. Uh, in fact, back in the days of cassette tapes, remember them, and um, yeah. and like Talking Heads and David Byrne yeah, and a whole yeah, bunch yeah, of yeah. other stuff. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. you don't listen to any of that anymore. At I all. just don't
3: listen to old music. I don't listen. I mean, other things. Classical music because my husband plays it on the piano. Other than that, I just don't listen to classic old, to older. I don't, li- I don't, I don't know. I listen, I'm, I push myself to listen to new things. I, okay. And I guess right now, what I listen to, I think honestly, I'm listening to a lot more like weird music, like ambient, and electro, like, you know, yeah. non, non rhythmic, uh, uh, minimalist noise music and stuff. I'm listening to weird stuff that I hear on band camp.
0: Um, like, I'm c- not c- listening guitar, to soundtracks.
3: Yeah. I'm just not. I'm just not listening. Yeah, I really like those. I like all that Inaratu. We've talked about this before on this podcast. Inaratu's movies. How he before you know all the good directors are coming out of Mexico, and apparently several of them are are former former uh, uh, directors and conductors who have switched to being directors. And they uh, in Inaratu's movies where it's all these like drone music, you know, and like what what was that one in space with uh, with with George Clooney and Sandra rabbit. Bullock gravity Rit. yeah i mean this it's like music that's not music i don't know i'm kind of i'm kind of liking the weirdness of it i don't know do pop, like pop it, music is fading for me
5: do you like it because it's like background music when you're doing other stuff or is that the music that ambient type music, what you turn on when you want to listen to music
3: no i don't No, i don't know um i if I, the only thing I might get nostalgic about, and I guess I probably should have put this on the, the only thing that I might like want to put on in a, in a sense of nostalgia and listen to what the best, what would be Pet Shop Boys. That's it.
2: Well, why didn't you pick a Pet
3: Shop Boys? <laughs> you know, though? I didn't because, well, because I wasn't that wasn't how I was thinking. I was thinking we're talking about the 80s. So I'm like, this is what I asked. Pet Shop Boys the, are know. from the 80s. <laughs> no, I know. But I mean, it's just my 80s. It's very personal to me. Well, um Okay. But this was. Um, but I mean, I mean, I listened. To, but but Richard's right. I listened to everything in the '80s. I listened to a million things. I mean, I I I listened to a lot, a lot, a lot of recorded music. But to to, get to Shelley's point, why do I listen to what I listen to now? I find it more challenging. I don't know. I just find I find a lot of pop music that I'm hearing today a little too sugary for me. Um I do like the hip hop stuff coming out of like you know. I like the the Hamilton soundtrack, and I like that hilarious um, thing that Peggy sent around of the, uh, the Janet Yellen, um, that, <laughs> that, <mashup> was, great. <laughs> that was on marketplace of all places, you know, the yeah. radio show, but, we, uh, but it was, it was great. I like that. Right. I like that kind of almost, I don't know. It's like kind of, you know, rap informed, um, high speed, high velocity kind of witty rhyming. That's fun. And I like that, but I also think that I just like, I like stuff that's like weird. It's doing something really different and, you know, kind of just a straight up
2: you know, pop song is a little too sugar coated for me now. Beth Shelley, Peggy, any thoughts on Big Time by Peter Gabriel? I like. He it. was dancing.
1: I love, I love that. That yes. was dancing as well. That Was bad. Yeah. Good
2: dance song. That, yeah. by the way, was Big Time was the fourth single from Peter Gabriel's So album, released in 1986. It was also the theme music used for WrestleMania 22 in 2006. It reached <laughs> number eight on the Billboard charts in the U.S., number 13 on the charts in the U.K., and number 37 on the charts in Australia. But was Richard
1: in Australia then?
2: No, but oh, no. I figured no. we would honor the fact that he's in Australia now by including information okay. about the Australia charts for all the songs.
3: Tremendous. Wow, no kidding. Yeah, wow.
2: Well, the U.K. and Australia. No, Jim, aren't right, you consider it? <laughs> Well, I thought it would be the right thing. Taking
3: the high road.
2: All right. On that note, we're going (laughs) to listen to the song selected by Ms. Peggy Bennett. Peggy Bennett picked Bizarre Love Triangle by New Order. That was the second single from their Brotherhood album, also in 1986, according to Rolling Stone magazine. It is one of the 500 greatest songs of all time. It did it not, is? interestingly, reach the top 100 charts in the U.S., but it did reach 56 in the U.K. And in Australia, what? it was, made it as high as number five. Wow. What? It was more popular in Australia as a single than in either the UK it or It was the US. never number
3: one, even in the UK? No, it never oh. got to
2: the top 40. In
3: the That's crazy. Wow. Hmm.
2: To playing top,
3: what was at the top? Awesome. I mean, like, yeah,
2: weird. Well, I mean, the Peter Gabriel song was obviously <laughs> much more popular than that. Huh. Peg, why did you pick Bizarre Love Triangle?
4: It makes me feel young. And on, and it reminds me of uh, when I worked as a waitress at a camp. and once the campers left the cafeteria, that's what we cranked to clean the kitchen, clean the tables. and then it makes me think of many, many Sundays at the beach in Michigan, and then you come home and you take a shower and you all you meet your friends at the under twenty one age dance club that was called Electric Avenue. And the first thing you do is you go to the DJ and you say, "Play Bizarre Love Triangle." And then it goes on and we Woo, and we're all dance we dance with our sunburns and our waters. And that's why. And I just love it. I still find it quite peppy and unlike John, I listen to 80s music probably more than I listen to any other genre. Is that a genre. I
2: think 80s is a great decade for music, first.
4: Yeah. I would agree. I, I there's so much that I enjoy from that. I had a hard time with this one picking just one, but well, I crank maybe it. We'll I mean, do I even crank it now. Like do
2: another one,
4: like to clean my house or something. It's just peps you up. anybody I'm sorry, else was, on was
0: on substance? was substance, like a because Bizarre Love Triangle was on that that next one. It's late like 80s one. It was like the following year. And um and it appeared on Substance, I think. And it's been remixed, remixed a few times. But that actually, that, that's one of my favorite New Order tracks. But um, my first, do you remember 12-inch vinyl singles? Um, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, so Blue Monday by New Order. And that was like, that was a week's pocket money, that one. That was serious. But um, I still listen to that now abridged because I can't listen to the whole thing. But um, Bizarre Love Triangle, you're right. It's just such a peppy, happy, dance around your kitchen type thing to do. Yeah, brilliant.
2: Exactly. So, Peggy, my special question for you based on your choice of song is this. Have you ever been involved in a bizarre love triangle? <laughs> oh, God. That's a better question you for Shelly. don't have Shelley. to answer. <laughs> no, <that's better. laughs> well, she didn't pick that song. I have a question for Shelly's song.
4: I defer to Shelly on that one. As to whether you have had a bizarre love triangle? <laughs> no. <laughs> Shelly,
2: has Peggy ever had a bizarre love triangle?
4: I do want to also make a comment about Richard's comment, uh, and I'm going to see how many times I can use the word comment, uh, that (laughs) I totally agree with him. I didn't know John in the 80s. However, I loved his comment about (laughs) John (laughs) and big time in the 80s and larger than life, because that's what I think of John, too.
2: excellent commenting, Peggy.
4: Thank you for for commenting on my commenting.
2: Yes. I commend you on your comment. Hilarious. uh Anyone else on Bizarre Love Triangle?
1: Another excellent choice. So far,
2: oh, thanks. All in my opinion, all of the songs are really good.
4: Beth, were you dancing in your chair for that one? I was again. <laughs> <laughs> if if you, you asked right? me,
2: well, I just this
3: tells you how out of touch I am with what I even was listening to because I would if you asked me. What you know that how that song ranked? I would have said in like some objective sense, it was just a popular song, and I guess I was living in more of a bubble than I realized because I that was
2: that is like well, new order was there are like red and that butter are popular. I like must have listened in, to that
3: album a billion times.
2: Uh, well, first yeah, of all, I didn't get the information on how popular the album was. The album may have been well, more I mean, than the song, but but there are certain songs that are really popular, like in as dance songs that don't actually become. Like bestsellers as singles, and sure.
3: Every Whitney Houston, Houston song, for example.
2: Well, I think that's the opposite. Whitney Houston has like five number one pop songs kidding. in a row. I'm kidding.
4: All right. Do let's... we get to say what our second choice was going to be, or is that going to make yes? This too what was long? your second choice? Oh, that so I was I was so on the edge with uh, Jack and Diane. Well, guess by what? John Somebody Malacabra.
2: else picked Jack and Diane, so you can listen to them both. Oh,
4: good, 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 good. I and it's so it's such a different for me. Well, I. Uh, never mind. If somebody picked it, we we're just going to let Jack them it. Play it. Okay.
2: We're going to move on to Richard Tobin's choice. You working
0: as a
2: And that, of course, is Don't You Want Me by The Human League. It is the fourth single from their Dare album released in 1981. It was the most successful single ever of uh, The Human League ever released. It went to number one in the U.S., number one in the U.K., and as high as number four in Australia. And according to the VH1 survey, it was the 79th best song of the entire decade. Of the '80s, Richard, why did you pick that song?
0: I, it's just a good song. That was the first thing. That was that was the first prerequisite. Christmas number one, probably the first Christmas number one that I remember. Um, but also with a contemporary story, just round about the time that um, my kids were doing their kind of reproductive part of biology, and they were kind of working out the chronicity between um, date of marriage and date of birth. My uh, oldest daughter asked, um, when did you when did how did you guys meet? And um and so I started and I thought that Mags had missed the beat. Actually, I started said, Well, you were working as a waitress in a cocktail bar when I met you. And <laughs> I, I kept going, I picked you up and I shoot you and I turned you around and I turned you into someone new. So I kind of thought she'd ignored this because she was doing something else like rolling eyes, this is your worst dad joke ever. <laughs> and then she sat down, and of course Katie just kind of healed off after this and she sat down with you know the food and and so she got the question and said so mum how did you meet dad he said well i was working as a waitress in a cocktail bar (laughs) that much is true
2: very great an excellent story
0: so uh, an um, excellent story so so um so eventually so i'd been listening to dear through that uh, that that afternoon actually i can't remember how i know i really love uh, love action it's one of my favorite tunes i play a lot but so like you, Peggy, don't worry, you're not the only person that ensconced an 80s nostalgia from time to time. But um, I, when, I, when I played that tune again afterwards and the kids heard the lyrics, you could see the kind of slowdown reality of like, Oh, OK, that's not a true story, dad. All right. So, <laughs> so um, even further inquiry. But there you go. It's a great tune.
2: So see, now the question I was so going to ask you, Richard, was have you ever met a waitress in a cocktail bar? But obviously that. We know that's how you got married.
0: A bit like bizarre love triangle I couldn't possibly comment and no that's not how I met Max. <laughs>
4: <laughs> so I loved this song too. In fact, I I I'm, I'm but I'm really surprised to hear that it was 79th best song of the entire decade because
2: well that's according to VH1. That does that's their opinion.
4: After you get through the first couple of verses, it's really just sort of monotonous, but I loved it, and I used to record it. You know how you used to have to hit play record at the same time on your oh yes stereo. (laughs) I would have to rush home for church on Sundays for Casey Kasem, and this was one of the songs that I had to record so I could just sing it over and over again. Maybe
5: it was seventy nine because there were so many good songs in the eighties.
4: Maybe
1: ah, I like that theory.
2: Well, according to VH one, the best song of the eighties is the. Bon Jovi song.
1: Oh, come on!
5: No, living
2: on a Prayer. voted for yeah, Ugh. Living on a Prayer.
5: <laughs> really? Yeah, no,
2: see, every sure hard time favorites can be so VH1, subjective. I didn't make the pick. Yeah. I'm just reporting the news. What can I? Do? It's a great song. I agree. It's a great song. I. It's interesting. The latest song, Beth. We'll get to it in a little bit. But Beth's song was the latest song, which was from 1987. So we had no picks from from the last two years of the decade and a heavy sort of preponderance toward the early part of the 80s, which I tend to think was the best part of the 80s. Well, I want to jump in here because that's why I
3: specifically said that the 80s isn't an actual decade to me, but an idea because I didn't know, I knew Jim was going to get into the like technicality of what things were in the 80s. And so I will admit that I did Google big time when I chose it just to check what year it was because I was like. Is the, Yeah, because I wasn't even sure it was the 80s. I was like, I think it's the 80s. If I'm wrong, Jim's going to give me no end to it. So
1: <laughs> I did some Googling, too. <laughs> yeah, I did double check.
2: I, I would have told you <laughs> that you picked a song <laughs> that wasn't in the 80s before we got airing of the episode. You know. Okay. I didn't want to
1: be mocked.
2: <laughs> oh, Beth, More your turn usual. is coming. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so let's see if we can guess who picked this song. Shelly. All right. yes. Shelly picked of course, it. <laughs> Shelly picked that. Song. Shelly was so afraid you were going to pick Jack and Diane.
4: Oh, because she close. really
2: wanted to pick it. So you as usual, you guys in your weird friendship thing, actually were helping each other out. Well, so we're both why from Indiana. Jack and Diane. Shelly? Oh, and
1: wait, when Jim told me that was a song, I was like, that's a good one. I should have picked it. <laughs> <laughs> all, all three of us could have had it. It's a great uh,
5: song. It's a it great is a great song. So it's John Mellencamp and he's from Indiana. Not that that was my big uh, selection, part of my selection process, but I just have such vivid memories of when I was on the bus go in high school. I think I was either a sophomore. I think it was a sophomore. Uh, and we were going to a volleyball league, a game. And the seniors were, you know, which we were idolizing, super good. and. Uh, strong Cute. players, and they were singing this song. No, this was females. Oh, the girls you know, The girl volleyball game. And they were just singing this this song, and that line, that section there about, hold on, 16, as long as you can, has just resonated, just resonated with me. And it's one of those flashbacks in time when you, anytime you hear that song, it like takes you immediately back to that time in your life. Um, and that's... Really Plus, I like the driving beat that most of Ellen like, song songs
2: have. So, which raises the question I have, the very special question for you, Shelly, which is Is it true that life goes on long after the thrill of living is gone?
5: Sadly, yes. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, come on. That is not true, Shelly. <laughs> like
2: an old lady.
3: <laughs> hey, Shelly.
2: <laughs> Shelly, Shelly, Shelly. By the way, that was the second single from the American Fool album released in 1982. It was the most successful single, most popular single of John Mellencamp's career. It went to number one in the U.S., only to number 25 in the U.K., but in Australia, it went to number seven. And according to VH1, it was the 59th best song of the 80s. And by the way, of course, the American Fool album was released under John Mellencamp's stage name which he apparently hated John Cougar. Cougar
4: what year was Jack and Diane was it 84?
2: 1982
4: Two. what? Yikes. 82 so I liked it later I liked. you're it,
2: allowed to do that
4: meaning like I didn't like it in 82 I was probably too young I, I discovered it later. When did you start?
2: That. How old were you when you started listening to like on?
4: yeah I don't know I grew up in a musical family so I we had the radio on a lot but I don't know I couldn't uh, I wouldn't feel comfortable guessing, but eighty-two. I was pretty young. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is for our very, twelve listeners. Very young.
0: <laughs> it doesn't surprise me that that did better in um, in Australia than some of the kind of more anglicised like the UK stuff. You know how Australia kind of thinks of itself. Maybe is coming from the UK mothership. Increasingly less so as time goes on. I'm not sure how to say that eloquently, but. Um, John Mellencamp was really popular in Australia and his whole kind of catalogue, whereas I think that was probably the only song that ever entered my consciousness in the UK. I remember hearing quite a bit of his music when I was in the States, but they never really made it in the UK, but it's a great tune.
4: I find it actually quite um what I was gonna say when I said I almost picked it from my favorite song, is I think it's um uh, kind of sad. I think it's kind of deep. It's uh yeah. So I find it to be a little bit more has a little bit more substance than, say, a Bizarre Love Triangle.
5: Yeah, it's about your youth and enjoy your youth while you have it.
4: And your and, lost yeah. youth. And
2: Well, love, if life goes on long and, after this thrill of living is gone, that's not exactly an upbeat proposition. Like,
4: and is sucking on a chili dog supposed to be dirty? No. no. Is that supposed to be People like a, like a euphemism for a blow John, job or something?
2: John Mellencamp was a... Uh, no, the song that's dirty is Hurt So Good. That's the dirty song.
4: Yeah, but who sucks on a chili dog? That's disgusting. I think when he was a
2: teenager (laughs) that people used to eat chili dogs.
4: I know, but you didn't suck on it.
3: (laughs) Maybe, yeah. I never liked John Cougar Mellencamp. I don't know why it just was, and I. It's funny. It fe- It feels, and I don't know what. It makes sense. Well, to you don't to do like Indiana or
2: anybody from Indiana. Well, is it just right, feels John? so
3: American. It's so American. Like I, when I picture him or I think about him, I just see like American flags and like and like you know like R-O-C-K go America in the USA. Well, yeah, is, I see just I this. Is, I see this, this nationalism stuff that I even in the eighties I was repulsed by. Yeah, <laughs>
4: so but I don't think like, that's what he's. I just I hate think, it. I don't think that's what he was. Trying to get. I, mean, I listen to the
3: songs. I liked all those songs. I don't think he was either, but I just think it was. I, I in my head, I associated. He's not like, like Kid the Rock. The fact that he was so popular from that. No, his politics are definitely very much far yeah. to the
5: left.
4: So. And you know, I am biased yeah, I know, towards him. But he, it's not... uh, you know, David Letterman can do no wrong in my mind, and he and David Letterman are good friends. And uh, <laughs> so I. Well, there you go.
2: He's got the David well, Letterman endorsement. Who?
4: Counting his money. John Cougar. Hoping he doesn't What's die he from doing? lung First cancer. Of all, he
2: hates the name John
3: Cougar. He like John Le Mellencamp, John Mell, whatever his name is. What's he doing?
4: I don't know. Counting his money. Having I sex don't know. with he Meg Ryan. Still
2: plays. I bet you he still plays once in a while. He's okay. married to Meg Ryan.
4: Uh, they, were or they were dating. They were dating. They were dating, but they never yeah. got.
2: Oh. oh, okay. But I don't all think right. they are at this point. Okay. Good for him. All right. Next Have up on the He's list He's also
4: from Bloomington, where both Shelley and I went to college. BTW, there you go. Next
2: up on the list is the best Dan in selection. That, of course, is the one I love. Beth Shannon, what do you love yes. about the one I love?
1: Well, I love R.E.M. They're the first band I saw in concert.
2: Excellent. Where As was that? When was it? How old were you? Yeah.
1: How old were uh, you? 16, New Haven, Coliseum. They opened for the
2: police. Wow. Whoa. Pretty good lineup there. What'd you yeah. wear? Wait, what year was that?
1: Uh short, pink. Probably nineteen eighty one. Nineteen eighty one or nineteen 1980- eighty. No. Yeah, na- I knew yeah. you'd
2: remember.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and big. Old I remember <laughs> my first concert. I was seventeen, but I don't remember what I was wearing. Probably the same thing I'm wearing now, but
1: And so I've Beth always Chant- loved R. E. M.
2: Go ahead, John. Beth, well, I was you go. gonna say
1: I always loved R. E. M. And as the eighties progressed. You could understand the lyrics more. So that was always nice. Then after I graduated college, I waitressed for a year. And my friend Michael and I went clubbing every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night, dancing to all the stuff we listened to already. And one drunken night, this song came on. And he said, if we're both still single when we're 30, let's get married. So that's my sort of like... Oh, I was 22 That's and a 30 good story. so old, and so I just have a sweet <laughs> smile on my face whenever I hear the
2: song. Excellent, excellent, excellent. I think REM was <laughs> one
3: of my first concerts too. I saw REM at the University of Illinois at a bar called Mabel's on Green Street, which anybody who went to University will know right away. And there were there were no more than 300 people in the room. <laughs> it was a <laughs> small cool. bar. Yeah. I mean, it was and it was packed. I mean, I saw they were and then I saw them at. Bullinger Auditorium, the same auditorium on campus where I took chemistry class and probably saw them there with five thousand people. And then when they started to play the mega halls and they played like the place where the, you know, the fighting line I played football teams played in the stadiums, that's when I kind of left them behind. But I I REM was a very early for me. First concerts. It was like the joy of live music.
0: That is, so, yeah. that is such a lovely story. That, that is absolutely one of those kind of, oh, yeah, I knew them before they were popular. They've just lost their way now, haven't they? Yep, yep, <laughs>
5: yep, yep, yep,
2: They
3: sold out Eponymous, no. man. The Eponymous album they sold out. R.E.M.
2: from <laughs> Athens, Georgia. That was their first single of the 1987 Document album. Interestingly, although they had quite a following, that was actually their first hit single. It went to number nine in the U.S., only number... 51 in the UK. However, when it was re-released in 1991, it went to 16 in the UK and only to 84 in Australia. Beth, my special question for you is, are your podcasting mates, are we just props to occupy your mind?
1: (laughs) Yes, I'm in lockdown because of this plague. And so you guys are my Saturday night dates. (laughs) I'm kidding. But I do have an REM story. At the Tibetan Freedom Concert, which was '99 in DC, at RFK, and then they did a concert at the Capitol on the infamous steps. Now, Ariano was one of the acts, and I got to be in the green room with them. But of course, I was too freaked out to go talk to them.
2: Wow! And what were but you it wearing? Was me?
1: <laughs> that I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs>
4: That's a life regret, but have right there. they had that song
1: about "Please don't take my picture." I'm having a bad day, so I was paralyzed with fear that they're having a bad day and didn't want to talk to a fan. We have lots of great pictures of them.
2: Awesome. I put that they on took our their website, picture, even That's though they cool. told us that in their song, "Don't." They?
1: Not in the green room when we were I out on see. the oh, West Plaza. So you didn't take they advantage didn't know of like a fan I was taking up. their picture. You didn't correct. get any
2: close-up pictures, correct? Of them correct. snorting coke or whatever. No, they were good boys. Good boys from Georgia. Anybody else on R.E.M.? Any thoughts, John? Is well, already told us. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh,
3: Michael's type had a, never got on stage without a full bottle of Jack Daniels that he was drinking from straight.
1: I think he sobered up later. I definitely saw <laughs> numerous I think that's true. I incoherent think that's true. concerts in the early 80s, and he got better
2: in the okay, later good. 80s and 90s. Well, then maybe that's he's yeah. yeah. Maybe he could afford I, yeah. better whiskey as they started making money. And, yeah, right. And, Okay, so we're done, right?
3: Yeah, that's amazing.
2: Yes, but what about you, Jimmy? Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. I forgot. Um, No, you didn't. Uh... I'm going to tell you, why I picked this song for two reasons. So I'm going to tell you the first reason is because of the backstory. And the backstory begins with a 1950 vocal group called the Four Preps, who you guys may not have heard of at all. I'm gonna play you a little bit of the four preps biggest hit. Catalina is awaiting for me. Santa
3: Catalina, the island of romance, romance,
2: romance, romance. So they were a they that song was popular and they had some hits, but they weren't a particularly memorable group. They didn't weren't like a big group, and they faded out by the early 60s. And uh, so what does this have to do with 80s music? Well, two of of the four preps went on to have very distinguished careers. The person who was most famous was a guy named Glenn Larson. And Glenn Larson, if you watched any junky American television from the 1970s or the 1980s, you're probably familiar with the work of Glenn Larson, because he became a television writer and producer. And among the shows, these are just a few of the shows that he was a a significant producer on were shows like the original Knight Rider, the original Battlestar Galactica, The Fall Guy, and probably most prominently the original Magnum P.I. So Glenn Larson was a huge name in Hollywood in the 70s and 80s. Another guy from that group, however, is more pertinent to us. His name was Ed Cobb, and he became a songwriter and a music producer. And he wrote uh, some songs that were nothing like the songs that the Four Preps did, including he wrote the song Dirty Water for the Standells. And he wrote a song for an African-American singer named Gloria Jones, and she put it out in the late 60s. And it did nothing in the U.S. It did nothing at all in the U.S. But it became a big hit in the U.K., and Gloria Jones became a big name in the U.K. in the 1970s, partially because she was dating Mark Bolan, the lead singer of the glam rock rock group, t rex In any event, that song was very popular in the U.K., still remains so throughout the 70s, and there was a duo that decided as their second single that they would re-record the song, and they did it slower than Gloria Jones did, and they came out like this.
5: Is that Soft Cell, Jim?
2: That is Soft Cell singing Tainted Love.
0: Mark Hammond. So
2: if I'm ever flipping through the dial and I come across the four preps singing 26 miles across the sea, I immediately think of Tainted Love by Soft Cell.
0: Wow. Cool.
2: So that's, why, that's one of the reasons I picked it. That was, as I said, their second single. It came out in 1981. It was the best-selling single in the UK for the entire year of 1981. It was a number one song in the UK and in Australia. It only went to number eight in the US, if you can believe that. But according to VH1, it was the 33rd best song of the 1980s.
5: I remember that song well. I liked it. It was a lot. great song.
0: Well a great it? story as well, like connecting all that stuff together. That's Fabulous. Yeah. I actually thought, um, when, when you played your first grab, I thought, hmm, this is so far removed from John Heinz's ambient music. And I could, I could almost yeah. kind of feel him kind of blowing his nose, going, oh, it's got right up there. But anyway, that's fantastic. I think that's what
2: makes it so fascinating, yeah. that out of this vocal group in the 50s, this guy sat down and wrote this song that would become, like, in some ways, as epitomized 80s music as almost as much as any other song.
0: So Mark Hamill still performs sometimes. Um, there's a show um, later with Jules Holland, which is on the YouTube sure. BBC type thing. And um, and uh, there was another great song in that album, "Say Hello, Wave Goodbye," which I think is still probably one of my favorite sort of soft sell songs. But Mark Hamill went off the rails a wee bit on the back of all that success and kind of got a wee bit kind of druggy and a bit boozy. And uh, and part of like that was kind of the triumph of his rehabilitation was closing um, the Christmas show. Uh, Probably about five, maybe be longer than five years ago, with Tainted Love.
2: Ah, very good. A lot, a great song, a great, great song. I wanted to ask John Heinz if he had a copy of Tainted Love, and he said, "I have about ten copies of it." Yeah, Do you remember I, that, I, John? Oh, I'm, I'm sure. I'm positive. <laughs> I, I wasted qu-
3: massive quantities of money on. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: What, John? No, I love
3: what? that song. I love that song. I, I again, it's funny listening to like that I almost what year was that? Because I almost thought that could have been 90s.
2: It's 81. Well, it was. It, I mean, it was kind of. That's a song that just never went out of style. Yeah, right. It played right. perennially in clubs and it's been played in movies time after time. It's been used in soundtracks and stuff. Really yeah, pop. That's great. So, uh, real quick, before we get out of music altogether. Peggy already told us what her second choice was. Does anybody else want to say what their second choice would have been?
1: Well, based on Shelly's text yesterday, red red wine. Ah. <laughs> good song
2: also. Shelly, you huh? you had a second choice, right?
5: I uh, close to me by the cure.
2: Close to me by the cure. That's right. That's right. The cure, man. I can't believe none of us picked the cure. Richard, do you have a second choice?
0: Oh, no, because it was the first gig ever went to. A new song by Howard Jones. Who, I think that's oh, right, right, right. yes. oh. that a
2: good song. What about you, John? Do you have a non ambient music second song? No, I the mean, I
3: could any, any one of those you named could be mine. I don't but have you any. you have I one have that no, we haven't? I mean, I would probably pick, now that I think about it, I'd probably pick a Pet Shop Boys song just because I actually do West still. End like girls on my phone,
2: different songs. On my
3: phone, I have some songs, like actual ah. songs.
0: Yeah, like old. I don't cause I don't I don't
3: have a music subscription to Spotify or anything like that or Apple Music. I don't I don't, I'm just I'm sick of subscriptions, but I do have some songs and I have a, like a I probably still have a bunch of Pet Shop Boy songs. And there are moments of weakness where I'll tell Siri to play a Pet Shop Boy Oh, my song. God.
2: A moment of weakness moment of to listen weakness. to a song <laughs> that you enjoy. That's so terrible. terrible. <laughs> Maybe you should go into, like, Music Anonymous for your dealing with your weakness, John.
4: I can't believe you had admitted that on the podcast. Huh? Wow. Oh, One my listener. God. <laughs> One of his
5: first steps.
2: <laughs> music is good music is still good music if it's old, right? And there's and there's good new music as well. But it doesn't mean you have to throw away the old music.
3: I feel bad for all those guys who like have one, who are one-hit wonders or who ha- are singing the same song they had to sing 40 years ago because that's what makes them money. And I just feel like, I don't know, you know can what? we make new stuff and enjoy it and give them points and money and... Make they get ha- money every too. time
2: that song gets played in full, No, I'm not, I understand right?
3: it. we do, every, so people gonna do lots of things, things that they don't enjoy going to to songs money.
2: on our website, so play those songs. And if they wrote the songs, they get money whenever pe- other people play those songs. I get songs. it, Jim. I get it. Money rules and then, all. When they go on those gigs, they get paid for it. And by the way, they're not forced at gunpoint to go on those gigs. I know. I know. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed this as much as I did. Let's do recommendations. Who would like to
1: go first?
0: No kidding. Good job, Jim. That was great. Very
1: good job, Jimmy.
0: I'll go first Thank since you. I'm the guest and I can be the annoying person to get so, um, <laughs> it has so it has a music association so um, it's a book by a couple of, it, it sounds a little dry when I gave a preamble saying a book by a couple of Australian uh, music academics but the, music, the, the book has nothing to do with uh, music academics it's called The Song Remains the Same if you Google The Song Remains the Same you'll end up with a really bad Led Zeppelin CD so if you Google the author <laughs> at the same time Andrew Ford um, it's actually a, a book it's taken songs from various not only genres but but um from different centuries no less and uh they've kind of taken them apart and about why they work and their short stories and so for someone with my famously short attention span it means I can dip into this book and read about a particular song about why it works but also they cross-reference re- cross in comedic ways uh across the the generations of songwriting so there we go the song remains the same
2: Future podcast topic. Who has a shorter attention span, Richard or John? Um, it's why we're
0: friends. <laughs>
2: yeah, I guess. <laughs> it's lucky you can remember each other at that point. <laughs> Who's next recommendation?
4: Wait, I have a clarifying question. Next. Oh,
2: Yes, you have a clarifying
4: Didn't we say that recommendations were voluntary? No. No. Uh,
2: no. We were we very clear in that. the Disgusting. last episode, which I realized you hadn't listened to. After it was published, or while it was on, so that it was no longer voluntary. Recommendations were made.
4: Okay, then I have to go last because I gotta think of something. <laughs> I have to go last. Oh,
2: we're back to the old. Baby. Okay, Beth, you're ready to go.
1: I am ready. So we talked about the Tana French Dublin murder series. I've now gone down the rabbit hole of Irish detective stories. <laughs> Me <laughs> too. So I'm now reading A June of Ordinary Murders by Connor Brady. It came out in 2012. It's the first of, I think, three or four books. And it takes place in the late 19th century in Dublin. Yes. Yeah, so I'm learning a lot about the politics and pre revolution and the landowners. And yeah, the British were the I'm, bad
2: guys, I'm willing to bet. Well, yeah. Story.
1: Ducks. Yes. <laughs> wow. But, we but could we're just, being very clear, with the now. English,
2: not the Scots. Who thank the you, guys. thank you, yes.
1: Correct. <laughs> just to be clear, that it was that, the
2: English, not all the Great Britain. The Scots
1: are also subjugated by the British. Exactly.
2: Exactly. And someday soon.
0: That they we could do I could freedom. do a whole episode on that for you and give you plenty of comments so you don't That yes. might be an interesting <laughs> topic. I'm thinking
2: we should add Peggy to exactly. Richard and John to the list of the short attention span people. So maybe we should have like a <laughs> a short attention span versus normal attention span sort of uh, like competition sometimes.
4: What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well played.
5: <laughs> Very nice.
2: <laughs> I think Shelly and John, you're gonna have to go before Peggy because she's gonna need more time.
5: I'll go. Mine's a stupid one. I uh always made... good to start
2: up a recommendation by saying it's stupid, Shelly, <laughs> but yes. When is Sal the recommendation?
5: I made matzo ball soup tonight as a to spread my wings and try to make a different type of a meal and it turned out fantastically delicious. So I, I hear that
2: Jeremy Renner loves matzo ball soup.
5: Yes, Jeremy Renner would love anything. Ooh. Um, but uh, it turned out good. <laughs> so, my bottom line is I think that you should things out of your not my comfort zone, but stretch yeah, you've yourself. You said that before. Yep.
2: Why don't we just say make matzo ball soup?
5: Make matzo ball soup. There you go.
3: John. Uh, so, I finished a book that I'm going to give a qualified recommendation to. My sister Mary recommended it. She loved it. It's by Il- Isabel Wilkinson. You know, you guys know her? Jim, the you do. The Worth of
2: Other style? No.
3: no, this is Cast, her new
2: one. Oh, okay. The new one. I So not
3: this is a book about, it's, she makes the argument that America has a caste system of black and white or black and everything else uh, akin to the caste system in India and akin to the, the, uh, the way Nazis treated Jews during the Holocaust it's pretty harsh uh but it's and it's and i guess i'm not i don't think the book necessarily lays out a new a lot of new arguments for me and it and it it didn't really persuade me of an entirely new perspective on this I, and i even might say that the 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 use the, the analogy of cast might have gone a little too far but what i do think the book is great for is kind of i guess when i think about it i haven't had um, this put in kind of a straight-up journalist's um, language the way she the way she does in this book ever before, and that that I enjoyed. And uh, I read it really quickly and kind of was like, I mean, you know, it's just I don't know. It's like watching certain. I, uh, I felt I I kind of felt this way when I was watching that HBO show about the murders in Oklahoma City. That they oh uh, gosh, no, I'm gonna I can't remember the name of the of the show. It was a series where It was like a sci-fi series, that, but or a fantasy series rooted in magical realism series oh, rooted in, in the Watchmen. Thank you, and it, and uh, and it, I kind of felt that way about this. Like, like it's like nothing new. Like I know all these things, but in the but in cast, she really puts it all together and makes a a just a, a painful indictment of kind of uh, the American caste system of race. Um, so I really recommend it.
2: I can go next, Peggy. Okay. All right. So I'm going to recommend. I saw a delicious little movie. It was on Hulu. It is called Run. It stars the inestimable Sarah Paulson. And I don't want to say too much about this movie because part of the deliciousness of it is what happens. But I will say (laughs) that it is about mother's love and what that can mean and what it. can be like kind of like Aliens
3: is about mother's love, <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, No, like alien. Okay, well, kind of, who knows? Kind of like, Depends yeah, you how you say interpret it. It. It's just, that is such yeah. a broad yeah. theme. It's like it's kind of like man versus nature. I
2: can't if I begin to tell you even <laughs> what kind of
3: anything, Jeff, it's the worst teaser ever.
2: It's about <laughs> oh, survival, <watch> then <laughs> don't watch the movie. No, it's a, a good teaser. movie, like, good movie with it. an okay. excellent actress. As the lead All right. All right. I'll watch it. Now, Peg, we've stalled long enough. No. What is your struggling. recommendation?
4: Well. Have a happy hour in your garage. Uh, the happy hour in my garage. Yeah, that was decent. Um, <laughs> my, my middle school art teacher, who I thought was the coolest person in the world, went on some crazy rant on Facebook two weeks ago <laughs> and all these people, these like classmates of my brother. So two years older than me, all were supporting her and I just couldn't take it. So I, for the first time ever since 2006, uh, deleted Facebook out op- and I haven't looked at Facebook in
0: two Congratulations. Weeks. So is your There's recommendation you to delete it, Facebook?
5: Because she yeah, was going you on, you on had it. to delete the whole thing. You couldn't just unfollow her or unfriend her. Oh, no, I just
4: couldn't even Facebook. take it. I was sick of it. Oh, it was no like, it just, it. It, it just was like the, just the for tip. You. it was it. It was the tipping point. I had already been annoyed. I can't help myself, but scroll. In fact, I'm doing the motion right now with my thumbs to read the comments and be like, what is wrong with these people? So I just, I just got rid of the app. And I used to use it as an excuse to be able to play Scrabble, but guess what? I can still have a Facebook account and not have the app on my phone, and I can still play Scrabble oh, with you my, my bestie Facebook, there in India. You just Indie. took
2: the app off your phone. Yeah. Oh. Okay. And I
4: haven't even looked at it in two weeks, and I my screen time's down. Well, Tim, and... Don't
2: minimize that. I mean,
4: taking, well, yeah. she, her point is she's not looking never, at Facebook I anymore.
2: I don't yeah. look. I don't have Facebook on my phone, but I do look at it most.
3: No, but she's saying she doesn't look at it.
4: I haven't looked at it in two weeks, which is not that okay, long, but it, it kind of is. It. I was just I was, clarifying. I'm long. not
2: saying, I'm not trying to minimize. I'm just trying to clarify what you did. Okay. I yeah. thought you had actually gotten off Facebook, though, but that's fine. No, I'm
3: still on there. There is this positive evidence that it makes everyone less happy. Yeah. You shouldn't be on those social media. That that one in particular. Including You know what including made me really Twitter, unhappy John?
4: is if I couldn't play no. Scrabble, that you can only get the yeah. Scrabble if you've got the Facebooks. That's Hate not it.
3: true. What? You can log in just with an account, but then you're like player six eight four two three and you just have to tell your people to people to get on you and you're gonna be you can be fine. John runs a, John like a runs six, an organization four,
0: eight, called two, Q and on under the, the, the moniker. <laughs> John seven five two one five. Yeah.
2: Right. Player six four eight two
0: three, thank you.
4: Yeah. <laughs> um I guess that's my recommendation. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode.
2: My respect to the real Dr. Johnny Fever, Howard Hessman. Shelly, take us home.
4: Oh,
5: wait. I was not ready. I was not prepared to. (laughs) 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 Thanks. (laughs) I'm ready now.
1: Shelly, who's always prepared, was
5: not ready. (laughs) Okay, I'm ready now. Thanks to our very special guest with his lovely mesmerizing accent, uh, Richard Tobin. Uh, <laughs> special thanks to Justin Mullins for his um, fantastic editing and making us all sound good and not talk over each other. Thanks to Ted Enling for composing and performing the music that you hear in the beginning and at the end of each of our episodes. And also thanks to Mary Heinz for her technical wizardry without which this uh, podcast would never have come to be and would not continue to exist, actually. But most of all, thank you, 12 people who listen to us. Um, Please recruit more listeners. We'd love to hear from you. And if you have any comments or reactions, suggestions, good or bad, this episode or any of our other podcasts uh, in general, please let us know what you think. Also, leave a comment on our website www.insearchofanargument.com, in search of an or you can um, uh, leave a comment on our Facebook page or Twitter. We do pay attention to your feedback,
2: That's like of the course, ones that- before you go off both of those social media sites that John wants <laughs> you to go off. <laughs> right, well, I, right. I do think you guys, the rest
3: <laughs> of you who are on Facebook, need to be a little more chit chatty because on a few times I've looked at our link for this, our website for this, uh, for this podcast, there's not a lot of talk over there. That's you told.
4: Well, I don't want to be tagged. Do not associate me with this podcast. You've been
3: tagged <laughs> all over oh, it. You're tag- you know what tagged means. Does that mean like there's graffiti <laughs> on your face?
4: No, you ta- You put my name next to it. I do not I do not want that. I repeat, do not put my name next okay, to it. Okay, then we're going to do it,
2: Peg. So, so, uh, with those <laughs> words we, we won't of tag positive... you if you promise to start listening to the podcast. With those Mm, positive
5: words from one of our co-hosts, we want to thank you for hearing and listening to us. Uh, We will return soon. But don't tag any of us. (laughs) Talk to you. (laughs) Take care.
2: Bye.